0: Today, we are wrapping up our series, Living Beyond Myself. And in this series, I've tried to make the case that the local church is the hope of the world, that the local church is the place that God has entrusted incredible resources. It's a place that Jesus died for, the group of people that Jesus said, I'm gonna die for that group of people. And the local church is God's one and only plan to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. God's one and only plan. So look around the room, folks. Look at your neighbors. That's God's plan. We are God's plan. God doesn't have a plan B. You, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are part of God's one and only plan to reach the entire world with the good news of Jesus Christ. You have a significant part to play and what God is doing through local churches. Now, I'm gonna ask you to grab a Bible and turn over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. In our paperback Bibles, it's found on page 771. Mark chapter 10. And if you need a Bible, I think we have some extra ones at the end of each row, at the, the back side of it. We're going to explore a... Teachable moment that Jesus had with his disciples. So in Mark chapter 10, Jesus and his disciples are traveling to Jerusalem. And they're heading in that direction because they're going to celebrate what is known as the Passover. So I'd like for you to just kind of maybe get yourself in that context. Just think for a moment about you traveling with maybe some family and friends off to another location, maybe to visit some family and friends to celebrate Easter with them. So that's kind of the context as Jesus and his disciples are headed up to Jerusalem. So Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 32, it says... They were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going to up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, referring to himself, will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die, hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. So this conversation that Jesus has when he pulls his 12 disciples off to the side is a very heavy moment. This is not some light conversation that he's having with them. I mean, he is describing graphically what is about to happen to him their leader, when they arrive in Jerusalem. Look at verse 35. First word there is then. So like right after Jesus says, I'm about to be arrested, whipped, spit on, and killed. So right after this very heavy moment, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Now, many translations record verse 35 as saying, teacher, we want you to do for us anything we ask of you. So get the context of what just happened, what Jesus has just shared and what they've just said. A very awkward moment, very strange request, rather selfish request at a very bizarre time. Apparently they had tuned Jesus out. So in verse 32, it told us that Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. So this isn't the first time they've heard this lecture. They've heard this story before, and they have effectively tuned Jesus out. It's kind of like when I'm talking with my kids. You know, if you have kids, maybe you've had one of these moments. You know, I'm going over this again and again. Okay, this is a thousandth time, gang, that I'm going over this, okay? So I need you to pay attention and get this. And I can see that look in their eyes. They get that, you know, like glazed over glare. And they're looking at me, and I know they can hear me. I I mean, I know they can hear me. Because if I, like, pulled out a $100 bill and said, hey, do you want this? They would be in. (laughs) I know they can hear me. They're just not listening. Because they're thinking about more important things when I'm just yakking. They're going, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Dad, I've heard this a thousand times. Can we talk about something else? I don't know if you've ever done that to someone else like like maybe your parent or another like I remember when my parents would talk to me and I would glaze over and go come on I've heard this one. So this is kind of the context with Jesus disciples. So James and John they basically say Jesus we've been thinking. We haven't been listening, but we've been thinking. And we've got this really important thing on our hearts and it's like, it's a big prayer request and we would like to ask you to answer it for us. And so Jesus, in gracious Jesus style, he asks, what's your request? Then in verse 37, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. So Jesus, we we get it. We know that like before you can answer this prayer request of ours, it's a big request, and I hope that you can fulfill it. But before this happens, you have to like be, you know, arrested and spit on and whipped and flogged and crucified. I know all that's gotta happen. We get it. We understand. We're sorry about the whole dying thing too as well. But like after that, do you think like maybe we can have positions of honor in your kingdom? Like how cool would that be? Then in verse 41. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Now, I'm not thinking that the other 10 are like indignant because this request was so selfish. I'm thinking the other 10 are going, no fair. We want the same thing. I I mean, what about us? We want places of honor and position in God's kingdom as well. Not fair. So Jesus sees a teachable moment with his disciples. And in verse 42, he called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. If you think about today, not much has changed, has it? still today. Some people who have positions take advantage of those positions and the people under them. Some people that have power Take advantage of that power in their favor instead of using it for the common good. It happens all the time. It happens in governments, it happens in workplaces, in athletics, in families, and it sometimes even happens in churches. Verse 43, but among you it will be different. So Jesus says, you know, I understand that's how the world operates, but if you're a follower of mine, If you want to to say, hey, I want to be like you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you and learn how to live in your ways. Then it's going to be different among you. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man, again, referring to himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, hold on to that thought for just a moment and turn over to John chapter 13, page 822. John chapter 13, 822. So shortly after this interaction, when they're on their way to Jerusalem and they have this conversation, they end up, in Jerusalem, the place that Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be crucified. And again, they're heading there to celebrate the Passover meal together, the Passover celebration. Now, something that was customary in Jesus' day, and it only happened at dinner parties. And it had to do with taking care of people's feet when they came into a dinner party. Kind of a strange thing. We don't really spend a lot of time on that in our culture. But in those days, only the rich could afford Nike's. And so everybody else was wearing like those open sandals and they walked very dusty roads. And as they walked those dusty roads, their feet would get really dusty and dirty as they would show up to someone's house. So if you were going to someone's home for dinner, when you arrived, you would expect that they would have a servant there. They would either hire a servant and they would have had a servant there at their home. And that servant's job was to clean your feet for the day. It's kind of a nice thing to do for guests after they've walked very dusty roads to come to your house for dinner. So the servant would come up and would take a basin, something similar to this, take off your, your sandals, put them down, put your feet in the basin, would then pour water over your feet, would wash the dust off, would pick up a towel, and then would dry your feet. So your feet would be nice and clean for dinner. And again, today we don't care much about that. I'm I'm never telling my kids, go wash your feet before you come to the table. You know, I'm telling my kids, go wash your hands before you come up here and, and eat with those things. But in Jesus' day, not sure if you can see this coffee table up here or not, but in Jesus' day, tables were more that height. And so what people would do is they would recline around the table. So you might lean on one arm and be stretched out around the table as you were eating from the table and everybody would kind of be gathered around a big table and there was a good chance someone's feet were gonna be in your face. And so you would kind of want their feet to be washed in that context. So in John 13, Jesus and his disciples gathered to eat the Passover meal, but there was one problem. As they come in, there are no foot-washing servants there. There's no one there to wash their feet. And the text doesn't give us a lot of details in this moment, but I'm sure it could have been a very awkward moment for Jesus' disciples. So they walk into the room, and they're expecting someone to be there to wash their feet so they can hang out and enjoy each other around the table, and there's no one there to do that. So this is a moment for them where they have to decide, what are we going to do? We're just going like to hang out and eat with dirty feet? or is one of us going to decide to become the foot washing servant and in uh, John 13 verse 2 it says it was time for supper so supper is ready their feet aren't washed and i'm sure the disciples are going i'm not washing anybody's feet you know James and John they just had a conversation with Jesus about having places of position and honor in his kingdom so they're going People like that don't wash other people's feet, so I'm certainly not washing anybody's feet. Apparently, the other disciples were thinking something along those same lines because it's time for dinner and their feet are still dirty. So they're kind of hanging out around the table ready to eat. So Jesus is watching all of this unfold. And again, Jesus in Jesus' style sees an opportunity to show them what he's talking about, what he was talking about as they were walking up to Jerusalem. Look at verse 4. So Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Now, I can only imagine how quiet dinner got. Must have been a deathly awkward moment. Just imagine if you were one of Jesus' disciples there and you've you've followed the journey all the way there, you've been a part of the story and the conversation, the context, you know what's going on and then all of a sudden you see Jesus get up. He goes around and starts washing people's feet. There's no light dinner conversation going on anymore. It's silent. Their teacher, their Messiah, the guy they've left everything to follow is kneeling before them and he has become the foot-washing servant. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So Jesus unapologetically calls his disciples to a life of serving. He asks his followers to go against their normal ways of thinking about themselves, their needs, their wants, their desires, and he calls them to live beyond themselves. Jesus' fundamental point was, if you're a follower of mine, you'll do what I do and you'll serve. You'll just serve other people. You won't be worried about your position. You won't be worried about your title. You won't be worried about who serves you. You'll just serve. It'll be your lifestyle. Jesus is calling all of us to that same lifestyle. If you're a follower of his, Jesus is asking all of us to pick up a towel and become a servant. And in theory, find ways to wash people's feet, now, I'm not sure if it's because I have such a thick skull or I'm such a slow learner or what, but God had to take me down a very difficult road for me to begin to learn some of these lessons that he was talking about here in these passages, passages that we've been reading. And I'm gonna share a story that I've shared a number of times here at Epic. So if you've heard this before, please forgive me, but it's such a significant part of my story. Um, it was very appropriate for today. Back in 2007, my wife came down with chronic Lyme's disease. And she went from healthy to unhealthy overnight. It was a, a, a drastic change. We thought that maybe she had just put her back out. She had a lot of intense pain in her back. So we thought, well, maybe you would just take her to a chiropractor. And there were many days she couldn't get out of bed. I mean, she just hurt so bad. Her muscles hurt so bad. She had such intense pain in her back that uh, she had to stay in bed, could, could barely even make it to the, to the bathroom and back in some moments. That radically changed how we live our lives. So we took her to a chiropractor which led to another chiropractor which led to many specialists which led to two trips out to Shands Hospital in Gainesville and it took two and a half years for us to even figure out what we were dealing with. We weren't even sure for two and a half years and there were many moments we're asking God, what in the world are you doing? What journey have you taken us down? We have no answers, no direction, no doctor has been able to help us. What is going on? And during the early parts of this journey, I had to change the whole way I operate, my patterns of life, and how I interact with my family, uh, my wife, and my kids to, to serve them in a whole new way. See, Tammy, like, she's like superwoman, like most women are, and she, like, does everything, and, like, I'm one of those guys, like, I can do one thing at a time, and that's about it, and I can't do multiple things at, at any given moment, And my wife like does it all. She like, she takes care of the kids. She takes care of her house. She was leading a ministry at church. She was doing a million other things. And then she got sick and couldn't get out of bed. That meant I had to help out at home and figure out how in the world are we going to operate. And I had to pick up, you know, where she had left off, all the things that she had left off with the kids, get them up, get them going, get them to school, get them home uh, with uh, lunches and and meals and dinners. And, you know, I I can really burn a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like like the best of anybody. Do the laundry, cook the meals. Pretty much everything that Tammy was doing, I had to pick up at home. Now, I know um, not a whole lot of women are feeling sorry for me at all right now, so hang with me, okay? And if you're a single parent, you're going, yeah, you're a wimp. (laughs) I am. So I remember being very frustrated in my new serving role. I remember thinking, I I just don't like this. I want to go back to the way that it was. You know, Tammy did her stuff, and I do my stuff, and, you know, that's just kind of the normal routine that we're in. I kind of like that routine. I don't really like this new routine. And so I would try to encourage myself by saying, you know, in a week, she'll probably be better and we'll be back to, to where we were. And then in a week, she wasn't better. And then I'd say, OK, well, how about two weeks? I'll give it two weeks and maybe she'll be better in two weeks. And she wasn't better in two weeks. So I kept doing that. And then I thought, you know, maybe I'll, let's just give it a month, like a whole month. I mean, I'll serve. I can, like, I can hold on for a month and do this and then she'll be better and we'll be back to normal. And somewhere in those many conversations that I had with myself, God interjected a thought. And he whispered to me, he said, Trent, this does not need to be a momentary thing for you. You need to learn how to serve your wife and your kids forever. I want you to pick up a towel and I want you to serve your wife. I want you to pick up a towel and I want you to serve your kids forever. This is a lifestyle thing for you. It's not just a moment. You're not going back to the way it was. I want you to be a servant. Don't you get it? And that was like a pivotal moment for me. It was like one of those like God moments, the light came on. I'm like, oh, that's what those passages mean. Like that's what you were saying when you were talking to the disciples. That's what you meant when you got down and you washed your disciples' feet. That's what you were saying? Yeah, that's what I was saying. And that's what I want for you. Verse 17, it says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for thinking this is a really good idea. No, he says, God will bless you if you occasionally do something nice for someone else. No, he says, God's gonna bless you if you choose to do it. Blessings come when you do. Blessings come as you serve. Not when you talk about serving, not when you, you know, put serving signs on your wall or posters and you say, hey, you know, we, love, we love serving around here. Point to those things. No, blessings come when you pick up a towel, you stoop down and you serve someone else. That's when blessings come. And I'm not exactly sure what all those blessings are. I don't exactly know what all those things mean, but, but I have learned and am learning on my journey that it is a privilege to serve my wife and kids. It's a privilege. Tammy's not better. She's still fighting the fight. My kids are still fighting some of their own medical journey fights. They're not better. Whether they get better or not, God's called me to be their servant, to serve them on a consistent basis. I don't always do the best job. I don't always have the best attitude, but I am learning that it is an incredible honor and privilege to serve, whether I'm serving at home, whether I'm serving here, whether I'm serving at the store, doesn't matter. Wherever I am, it's a privilege to serve. Now I'm gonna ask our worship team to come up in just a moment and uh, they're gonna wrap us out in a, a closing song today. And then Tim's gonna come up and give us some announcements. But I just wanted to give you some final thoughts as we kind of wrap up uh, today's, today's message. Jesus is asking all of us, if you're a follower of his, he's asking you to pick up a towel and to become a servant. That's what he's asking of you and to think of your life and your world as as being a servant, someone who, who like washes people's feet. Again, I know contextually in our world, we don't get that a whole lot, but Jesus is asking us to serve on a regular basis, to be people that step in first and say, what can I do to help? How can I help you? How can I help you in your situation? That's just kind of our lifestyle, that we're known to be people who live the way that Jesus lived, who love the way that Jesus loved, who serve the way that Jesus served. And in this series, I've been challenging you to spend some of your serving time, some of the time that you give your, your time, talents, and resources, to give the, a portion of that through EPIC through serving in a local church, whether you call this your church home or, or another church that, that you're connected with, God wants you to serve. Spend a portion of your time serving through a lo- local church. And so kind of my rhetorical question for all of us is will you pick up a towel and will you serve at church? Will you find a place to get active in pouring your life out to serve other people? Now on your seat today should have been several things. Around you somewhere should have been a serving card, something we've been handing out for the past number of weeks in a small piece of a towel. So I encourage you to grab that card for just a moment. And I encourage you to fill that thing out. Again, we've been going over this for three weeks now. And um, there's not a lot of need for me to go over that again. I think you get it. One side tells you the ways that you can serve here at Epic. The other side is a, a place that you can put your personal information. But I encourage you to pray and say, God, where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to pick up a towel and serve? And then we have a new connection center in the back. As you turn around, you can see the the big sign over there and some hands waving at you. Um, That's the place where you can drop that off and and find ways that you can get active in serving here at Epic. Now, this little towel, grab your little your little towel for just a moment. And no, I did not like rob my kids' Barbie doll collection for these. All right. Um, Spent many hours cutting them. Here's my prayer for this little towel, it's a reminder for you. It's a reminder of what Jesus did. So anytime you see a towel, this is my prayer for all of us. Anytime we see a towel, whether we're drying the dishes in the kitchen, you know, you're using a towel to dry off after you get out of the shower, you're drying the car off after you've washed it. Anytime you see a towel, you'll see Jesus. You see Jesus stooped down, serving his disciples. And you'll think, that's the life that Jesus called me to. And maybe you'll hear Jesus whisper to you, I want you to serve for a lifetime. This is a lifestyle thing. This isn't just a momentary, hey, I did a really good thing, pout myself on the back. No, this is a lifestyle. I want you to serve, just like I have done for the rest of your lives. Let's pray together. God, again, I thank you for the incredible privilege and opportunity that you have given us to be a part of the body of Christ, your one and only plan to reach the world. or This is a place that we should spend our time, our talents and resources, a significant portion of those things, advancing your kingdom in this community or to transform individuals, to transform families, to transform a community, a nation and a world. Local churches are your one and only plan and we have a privilege to serve through a local church. We have a privilege, Lord, to serve at home, to serve in our neighborhood or at school or at work or at church. Anywhere and everywhere we go, we have an incredible privilege to be like you. So Lord, when we are serving, we're most like you. So Lord, I pray that you would impress this message so deeply in our hearts that we'll have Kind of like what I had, Lord, in that one moment of conversation with you, like a light bulb moment. That this is a lifestyle thing. This isn't just a, oh, I'll, I'll punch the clock and I'll volunteer here and there and I'll do some good things. Lord, it's a mental shift. We have to live our lives as you have lived your life, Jesus. And we will serve. We will be people who are known as servants. Doesn't matter who's above us, doesn't matter who's below us, maybe in an organizational structure, we will serve. We'll use our position, we'll use any influence that you give us, any power that you give us, and we will serve so that people can come to know you. Thank you for that incredible privilege, and thank you for modeling that for us, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: guys. Well, you can go ahead and uh, be seated. We just have a few things to let you know about. Um, The first is you guys did an amazing job uh, in the month of August of being the church. Uh, We had the food and clothing drive that we were collecting over there at the F-car building, and uh, you guys uh, turned in 592 pounds of food. Over 100 bags of clothing, that's enough food to feed 36 families for an entire month. So let's just uh, thank you guys so much for doing that. And then uh, to let you know about, uh, Surge is kicking off their year this Saturday. So if you are a middle school or a high school student, uh, they are going to be having their first meeting, official meeting for the year, and that is going to be taking place at Palm Coast Community Church, uh, and it's going to be from 6 uh, p.m. to 8 p.m., and if you are not uh, signed up with them, go to Epic Surge Facebook and sign up with them. But they are kicking off this Saturday night, um, September 8th, from 6 to 8 p.m. And then also, we are in our season of starting up our small group environments. Uh, so, if you've been wanting to jump out of these rows and get into circles of people and getting to know them and everything, we have s- several small group environments I want to tell you about. The first is FPU, it's Financial Peace University, it is a nine week uh, group that goes over uh, Dave Ramsey's material. He's a financial expert uh, helping you out on how to manage your finances, budget, and tons of other subjects. If you are interested in that, it's going to be starting next week on Thursday. Uh, So if you are interested in that, see me at the Connection Center and sign up. They're going to have a preview this Thursday to give you all the details um, about FPU and everything. So see me in the Connection Center to sign up uh, to to let us know that you're interested in that as well. And then a place that we want everyone to jump into is Starting Point. Starting Point is our 10-week conversational small group environment about exploring the story of God and seeing how you fit into it and then beginning to connect with others. So if you have not jumped into our small group environments, this is where we would love for you to jump in first. Um, And so we are having our Starting Point Next Step intro on September 16th. That's in two weeks. If you are interested in our small group environments, Um, please sign up online under our groups tab to let us know that you're interested so we know how many groups that we need uh, for this upcoming fall. And then if you've been through Starting Point, we want you to jump into Next Step, and that is a seven-week conversational small group environment where you begin to really learn what is this relationship that I have with God and with others and just forms a foundation for us then uh, if you choose to jump into a long-term small group from there as well. And then also besides serving and besides connecting with other people, God desires for us to give a portion back of what he's given to us. And so if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. Uh, You can give through our boxes, one located there and one over there, new locations. So uh, over there and then also online at www.theepicchurch as well. And then if you filled out those volunteer cards, um, many of you have responded, and that is awesome. And uh, it is great because we've got uh, 100 kids back there. We've got tons of things going on. We have a bigger need, bigger facilities and everything to sign up for prep and everything. If you would sign up uh, for one of those serving areas and then turn it in at the Connection Center, they will take care of you from there. And then just a couple house things to talk to you about. Um, if you remember last week, we told you that we have now a new fourth to sixth grade uh, kids area, and so if you um, are a fourth to sixth grader or anything like that, we have a new uh, class that's starting up that started today and everything, uh, and then it's k through third. And then also, as you saw, the entrance to the kids areas is just right around that corner. If you have a child, you are welcome after the service to go that way to pick them up uh, to make it a little easier and then a less uh, chaotic and everything as well. And then also just to point out, um, men's restrooms are on this side, women's restrooms are on this side as well. If you were kind of like, well, where are the restrooms? That's where they're at as well. And then finally, uh, I think that is it. So guys, have a great Labor Day weekend, and we are so glad that you're here. Say hi to someone as you are uh, taking off today, and have a great rest of the week.